thank you so much for listening to what God, the world and other things. My name's Kenny Price and I'm your host. Today's title, a heart of stone. The summary, we advance peace in our lives when we talk to people we love about difficult but necessary things. Several years ago, one of my church members requested that I go to the regional hospital and talk to their sister about her spiritual condition because she wasn't expected to live. The sibling did not feel that the dying sister had ever accepted Jesus Christ as her Lord and Savior, and the entire family was concerned about where she would spend eternity. Before entering the hospital room, I had confirmed the room number was correct. The door to the room was partially open to where I could see an older woman sitting on the edge of the bed in street clothes. She did not appear to me to be close to dying. I knocked on the door and she looked up from reading the newspaper and invited me in. I introduced myself and gave her the name of the person who had requested that I stop by to pay her a visit. She confirmed that I was in the right place. By this time in my ministry, I had learned that there is no easy way to talk about death, so you just have to approach the subject with care, compassion, and a great amount of sensitivity. I told her that I had received word from the family that she was not expected to live much longer, but I may have misunderstood the situation because she did not appear to be anywhere close to dying. She looked at me and said that she was dying and that the doctors had told her that she would not live much longer. I asked her what was going on, what had happened. She told me she had a disease called scleroderma. In all of my ministry to people, I had never met anyone with scleroderma. She explained it was a form of arthritis that attacks the connective tissue in the body. On scleroderma.org, the homepage for Scleroderma Foundation, also calls it a systemic sclerosis. A connective tissue disease generally classified as one of the autoimmune rheumatic diseases. The word scleroderma comes from two Greek words, sclero, meaning hard, and derma, meaning skin. Hardening of the skin is one of the most visible manifestations of the disease. I asked her how the disease was affecting her to the point that the doctors had made this diagnosis. She said the disease had attacked her heart and that in a sense it was turning to stone. The heart muscle tissue was hardening and losing its ability to flex and beat. Once I understood that she was in critical shape, though she really did not appear to be externally, I told her that in a time like this, where you are facing imminent death, that I could not think of anything better than to focus on the question of what was going to happen to her once she died. I asked her if anybody in her family had talked to her about Jesus and how through him she could have eternal life and know for certain that she would go to heaven when she died. She told me no, that no one had ever talked to her about the Lord. The people who asked me to visit her were both teachers in my Bible study ministry at the church. I called them by name to her to make sure they had not talked to her about the Lord in heaven. She looked at me and said no. Then she said, I don't know why they would not want to talk to me about it. I have never been combative about things. I don't understand why they never have talked to me. I tried to recover from the shock of this poor report she gave me about my Sunday school teachers. I turned the conversation and told her that they are very concerned about her. That is why I'm here today. I mentioned the fact that sometimes it's hardest 
to talk to those you're closest to about spiritual things and sometimes difficult things. I asked her for permission to talk to her about how she could know for certain that when she died, that she would spend eternity in heaven with Jesus. She listened to what the Bible says about what it takes to go to heaven when you die. After we talked, I asked her if the things we discussed made sense to her. She said yes. I asked her if she would like to turn from her sin and place her trust in Jesus alone for salvation and allow him to give her a clean new life that will last forever in heaven. She said yes. And there in her hospital room, she bowed her head and asked Jesus to save her. Just a few weeks later, she died. What a difference it made the day we held her memorial service to celebrate that she was still very much alive in the presence of the Lord in heaven. To my Sunday school teacher's credit, they did care enough to have someone talk to their sister. It saddened me that they had not. Eventually, I made the decision to move from that town to go back to school to work on a master's degree in Bible. A big glaring problem began to disturb me, disrupt my equilibrium. As I reflected on everyone on my cul-de-sac, I began to feel guilt that I was leaving that street without ever talking to my neighbors across the street about where they stood with Jesus. They were private people, not really interested in small talk. Our property lots were the size that if the neighbors across the street were out in their side garage and I was out in my front yard, we were still a long way from each other. You would have to shout to get the neighbor's attention. So the distance and the silence were the norm all the years that we lived across from each other. There I was, a minister at the largest church in town, and I had not gone out of my way to reach out to them. I reached out to hundreds across the city, but I had not reached out to them. I began to think about how this happened. I was not afraid to talk to them or anyone else about spiritual things in Jesus. That was not the problem. I finally came to the conclusion that I allowed the distance and the silence to stand without correction early on. Then one week became two, and weeks became years. Then the thoughts of my own hypocrisy began to creep in because I reasoned in my mind that to go to them would have provoked their thinking to wonder, why now are you coming to me after all this time? Finally, I swallowed my pride, let go of the fear, and walked across the street, rang the doorbell, and talked to the neighbor about the Lord. I started by apologizing that I had not reached out earlier, and I asked them to forgive me for not showing care. They forgave me, and the conversation went well. While in college, I worked for UPS. About halfway into my tenure there, I had the great opportunity to move from the sunrise sort, which started at 4.30 in the morning, to the noonday sort, which in the strenuous world of UPS was a gravy train. I clocked in after morning college classes and clocked out about four hours later and was at home in time for supper. The first person I was teamed up with on the noonday sort was a red-headed guy with a rough mouth. I had only worked with him a few days when he stopped loading for a second and said, You're a Christian, aren't you? I said, Yes, I am. He smiled really big at me and said, So am I. His rough exterior melted. I replied, you're a Christian? He had been really free with the cuss words, including the F-bomb. He said, yes, I go to Crystal College. I'm studying to be a preacher. I told him that I sure couldn't tell it from the way he talked. 
He told me that early on at UPS, when he would get under pressure, he would lose his temper and use profanity in front of the other men. They became accustomed to his speech. Also, in the past, they had gone out for beer and asked him if he wanted to go along, and he did. I told him, even though the other guys might not be professing Christians, and they cussed and drank beer, they all knew that a guy that was going to school to be a preacher shouldn't do those kinds of things. He said that he had so blown his reputation in front of them that it was no use to try and be different. I told him that wasn't true, and that what he needed to do was go to the guys, ask them to forgive him for the poor example of a Christian and pastor he had been, and to let them know he was going to work at being better, to be different. He laughed and speculated how one big old boy we worked with, who was a monster loader and out of control in general, would take it and start to grind on him. I told him that even though that particular person had a tough veneer, he would respect him for being honest and making things right. I explained to my associate that even though the other guys didn't live the Christian life, they knew intrinsically how a Christian should act, and though they would never express it, that they were disappointed in him. In reality, these are all examples of a place many of us find ourselves in at some point in life. The avoidance of tender topics that need addressing with our family, friends, and neighbors can cause us agitation and steal the peace that God wants us to enjoy. There are a lot of reasons for silence when there should be discussion, but I want us to focus on some thoughts that will help us face our fears, think things through, and reach out in caring discussions that will advance our equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Fear and pride are two of the leading causes for silence where there should be conversation. When it comes to sensitive subjects like spiritual beliefs, fear of rejection or the creation of additional barriers in the relationship can rise up. Pride is always a factor because we don't like to admit that we've been wrong in our actions or our inactions. We can face our fear and release our pride by focusing our thoughts, as Admiral Byrd once said, upon an impersonal plane. In other words, we need to get our minds off ourselves and onto those around us and what they need. Caring for others always breaks down communication barriers and advances our equilibrium. In all of our relationships, we should sense the urgency of time and address difficult discussions as soon as we are aware something has gone off the rails. In Psalm 90:12, Moses prays to God, Teach us to number our days carefully so that we may develop wisdom in our hearts. There is no way to number days that we haven't lived yet. In other words, we need to know where we are on the age spectrum. We need to wake up to the fact that our lives are passing. Moses reflects, our lives last 70 years or, if we are strong, 80 years. Even the best of them are struggle and sorrow. Indeed, they pass quickly and we fly away. Tim McGraw sang the successful country hit single, Live Like You Were Dying. As we come to grips with the expediency of this moment, we should let go of the procrastination motto, Why do today what you can put off until tomorrow and take action today in talking about difficult subjects with people we love? It's not being morbid to think that way. It's being right to care enough about our relationships with our family members, our friends, 
our neighbors, our work associates, and to take our thoughts to an impersonal plane, get our minds off of ourselves and onto what is best for them, as difficult as that may be sometimes. So, until next time, my friend, may your life advance equilibrium in the midst of an agitated world. Peace.